मीडिया Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and your work a little bit? Sure. Well, my name is Stephen Calcote, and I'm a writer-director, and I'm also the creator with Legendary of the world's first live interactive sci-fi show, Ooh. and it is a great example of a show that could only have been created today with the current convergence of technology, live appetite from audience, and the ability to create a no-apology sci-fi show. Awesome. Wonderful. So Stephen just before we went on break um James was talking a little bit about changing consumption behaviors amongst the listeners. Um and he said that when it comes to audio content um users today are less likely to listen to live streams uh you know like traditional radio but there's more demand for on demand audio content and i know that you were on a panel of um, live participatory media this morning which said something completely opposite that when it comes to video users are more likely to watch live participatory streams rather than on demand content so do you want to tell us a little bit more about this changing user behavior absolutely well i would context this with we live in a time with 500 scripted television shows so there's never been more opportunity to be entertained but we've never lived in a noisier time for attention So as content creators, we have a unique opportunity to stand out in a way that networks and even the the innovators right now from Netflix to Amazon for the next few years, we're going to be able to do live entertainment in a way they're not quite ready for yet as independent creators. And so this is the proposition that I brought to Legendary and when we pitched the show Orbital Redux we said live participatory sci-fi so we're going to light up your specialty fans which is the nerdist brand which is geek content meets real science and we're going to light them up in a way where we're going to bring them their expectation of science content but we're going to put a sci-fi adventure twist into it and they're going to participate so the context here is they had an audience that is hungry for that kind of content So they'd never had live sci-fi adventure before, but we knew that the the playing field was set. And my premise overall, and this is what we talked about this morning, is that there's really no entertainment type when it comes to video that that can't be made live in some way. You were to add a live strategist to the process. And I and I would say anything from crime procedural uh, all the way to a uh uh an educational event of some kind. There's a live reason to tune in. There's an opportunity for us to create appointment viewing again in the scripted space. Mm-hmm. And so I would say the short answer is we do have to give people a reason to mm-hmm. tune in live. But if we give that reason and it's different for every show and for every genre, then people will come live to see your program. Mm-hmm. And and the last example I would give um for context is Remember the current generation coming of age right now who's finishing high school entering college 
they have never had a time where live wasn't possible. Every new generation starts with a set of assumptions on what they expect. And our current freshest, newest generation to entertainment expects live in a way that's never been expected before. Right. Mm. All very exciting. Right. Very, very exciting. Um, I want to transition into, well, this is an interesting question to all of you in different ways because you're all from different fields. Um, at which part in your sort of you know, fields, which pipeline part is the maximum innovation happening? Maybe Richard can take this Yeah, question. maybe Richard can take this um, In the pipeline, from yeah. conception to distribution, there are several steps. But what is the most exciting, ripe for innovation step in the production pipeline, do you Well, <laughs> the most exciting bit's the most boring bit. Um, because <laughs> the, the bit that is ripe for innovation is automating really boring tasks so that right. creatives can spend more time being creative. Mm -hmm. And that's what we specialize in. We look at the, the whole pipeline. We, we, where we live in the production chain, we're at the end of the movie production or the TV show production yeah. where you're then going to create all the versions that you need to get out to the different, yeah. um, you know, theatrical releasing, DCPs. different types of platforms, different screen types and yeah. display types and sound formats and so on. Mm -hmm. But gluing all that together is very manual and, well, was very manual up until Sundog came along and it was very uh, laborious and it was prone to errors because people do it. You know, and people are expensive and they have emotions and they make mistakes. And <laughs> so generally speaking, we need robots to do those things uh, yeah. because they're really good at doing repetitive tasks and not making awesome. errors. So that the people can do the, the good things about having emotions and, and making mistakes and learning about things, which is creativity. That is what creativity is in the end. So, um, you know, the more we can take out of those um, those production pipelines that is boring basically, yeah. the more time we can create. So it's, and, and AI is a, a really big part of that. So machine, I mean AI, I hesitate, it's a good marketing term, but <laughs> it, we're not talking about, you know, a, a, a proper general artificial intelligence like a, a self-aware robot that can somehow navigate <laughs> any abstract problem that you give it. And we yeah. don't have that. Yeah. But we do have very clever machine learning network technology and deep learning network technology that allow us to learn very quickly yeah. how to automate some sort of task that actually is probably too much of an intractable problem for a yeah. human brain to come up with an algorithm for. Mm -hmm. But you can let the machine come up with the algorithm very quickly through trial mm -hmm. and error effectively and training. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can apply that to then do these really boring tasks. So yeah. I think that's the area that we're going to see the most innovation in in the next mm -hmm. few years. And it will actually have a really big impact on the industry, okay. but it's an impact that will not be noticed by the audience whatsoever. Okay. It, all it's going to do is allow creatives to spend more time doing the really important part of being a creative. I think that half answers my next question, but we are moving on to automation. Um, there's this sort of uh, weird perception on automation and AI that the audience has. You know, it's very, very scared of it, right? Like everything's going to be robots, everything's going to be AI. Um, human decisions are not going to be there anymore. Um, Black Mirror, Westworld sort of, sort of, you know, makes it clearer and clearer to audiences. That's where we're heading. So as industry experts and in, you have insider look into it, what do you assess the situation as? Do you really see us going that way? I know you answered it a bit, but how, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you look at automation, I mean, obviously radio has been 
using automation for uh, many years now, and it's lovely to see the junior medium of, uh, uh, of the TV um, slowly, slowly catching on. Um, but I think it's interesting. It's like any technology. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Yeah. And I think quite a lot of radio people in the past have used automation as a way to cut costs and a way to keep the needle waggling, you know, to yeah. keep broadcasting stuff overnight particularly, instead of actually having human beings there. And I think yeah. what I'm now seeing is a bit of a change now in our thinking, yeah. a bit of a change in actually thinking that the human being, that human connection is a really important part. But on the other, on the other side, it's making sure that working practices are changing. Mm -hmm. so that we're using technology for what it's good for, for cutting corners, as you were saying, for making sure that we stop the repetitive stuff that we don't need to do anymore, mm -hmm. but to actually focus on some of the great things that we can do with the technology. And I think one of the problems, particularly in radio that we have, is that people are so used to how radio was like 20, 30 years ago, that we haven't stopped and rethought about what radio could be now. Mm -hmm. And that's probably our hardest uh, part about where the future is going, mm -hmm. is to forget what the past was like. Mm -hmm. I, I want to inject a really radical concept into your question. <laughs> you asked about pipeline, and yeah. I had a shakabuku moment where I realized, wait a second, there's something true now that I don't think has ever been true before. The entire pipeline, from creation to delivery to folks just like this, is now bi-directional. And, I, and I, can't, I can't say with enough emphasis how important this is. We in the old world would throw content over the wall and see who out there watched it and enjoyed it. And then maybe two years later we'd make some more of that and probably fail miserably because everything has moved on. Now each step of the process, from the writer's room to the filmmaking process to the delivery, that pipeline is going two-way on information. So for us, we did a live scripted participatory sci-fi show. So we started in the writer's room and sent it over the wall and then saw how fans reacted to the choices, to the storyline, and that information then came swinging back into the writer's room so we had to react. Normally, you don't think that way. Mm. It might be months before you get detailed feedback. In the production process, Cameras were set up so that we could begin capturing the initial actor's instincts, script, etc. But we had to react in real time as actors reacted to the audience requests and changes. Mm -hmm. So where normally we would push out the requirements this way, actors are now doing things that we didn't expect because the audience requested them. So now we're having to react to changes in front of us in real time. And then finally, the delivery is just the beginning of the next part of the story. Because as the fans received that, they began taking the show, Orbital Redux in this case, and making music videos out of it, looping gifts, talking about their favorite parts of it. Our main actor came up with a dad dance, we talked about this this morning, mm. where he was dancing to his own music, and it was endearingly dorky. I mean, this was really dorky dancing, but the audience loved it. 
So that's an example of that pipeline coming all the way back up yeah. and saying, we want more dancing, we better design more dancing into the show. Right. And by the end, there's a big group dance number that was fondly called our Bollywood episode. So I gotta tell you, <laughs> bi-directional pipeline is the most exciting thing that I've seen as a creator in my time. Yeah, I think uh, that exact, you know, when we talked about it earlier as well, the yeah. ability to get more metrics back from the audience mm -hmm. yeah. more quickly and with more insight is, is really important. The other thing that I think that is happening is that we, you know, we used to make a piece of content and it would kind of, you'd make it and as you say, you put it out there and then it go, kind of goes stale, you know, mm -hmm. in, in every respect. The, it does, it's static, so uh, not only is the story not changing, but even the file format, you know, is going to go out of, like, you know, if you, like, we struggle now to recover tapes, and, you know, tapes not that long since tape went away, but, you know, there are less and less um, machines out there that can even play tapes anymore. And this will happen in the file-based world as well. I think it's naive of people to think that that's not true. Um, but we are now, but without, uh, or rather knowing that, we're seeing things like uh, the IMF file form, master file format, which actually doesn't go stale, it gets enriched over time. You can, yeah. you can take this file, you can, um, you know, this, like an episode of a show, but you can go back to it with your audience metrics and insert all sorts of metadata into the file later mm -hmm. that says, you know what, we found that the audience really liked these bits here and that, that bit there, or actually I want to take out some components of this and make it into its own new episode for that particular person who really likes that character and I'm going to give them like their own mini episode. Mm -hmm. But you can start to do these things over time mm -hmm. and actually what I think we'll see is that the content we produce now going forward into the future rather than going stale, will actually get more and more valuable and more and more enriched. Mm -hmm. And again, it will drive the ability to have like hyper-personalization of the content. Mm -hmm. imagine, imagine if the content we make today in our future changing rich format remembered how the audience watched it. Imagine if going to an archive experience, you could watch it in the same way that the audience experienced it and, and feel and travel in the way that they did. Yeah. Imagine if you could watch a classic like All in the Family for the first time. Mm -hmm. It'd have to have been interactive, but you get my point that, yeah. that we lose that with each generation. But right. what if we kept it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's a very exciting future if you personally ask me. Um, the potential of that is unbound. But something that you all have sort of, you know, hinted at is that we recognize that technology is not neutral. It is social, it is political, and the moral impact of technological advancement, I would say, has become painfully evident, especially in the recent times. Specifically, if we look at social media, for example, right? So as innovators and even content creators, you know, who your day-to-day -day work looks like playing with all this new nascent technology, you know, that has the power to really shape the future beyond recognition. But is the ethics of playing with such technology and exploring its potential something that you think about in your day-to-day -day work? And if you do, then what do you think is your biggest responsibility? In, in this little playground. I, I think it's interesting when you look at, for example, um, the NPR One app, which mm -hmm. you, can, uh, you can listen to personalized news radio. And so theoretically what that could do is that could only give me news stories that I'm interested in, but also news stories that I kind of agree with. Right. Um, and in a very polarized world that we now have, 
Um, that has real harm if that's used badly. And I think it's interesting when you look, when you talk to the people who create the algorithms for NPL1, when you talk to the people who are working out what story to put in front of your ears next, they actually work out a responsible way of doing it, mm -hmm. sometimes which completely confounds you. You know, it's deliberately built not to give you exactly what you want, but to occasionally give you things that you go, wow, I wasn't expecting that, but that was really interesting. And so I, th I think that we need to be responsible in any choices that we actually make and responsible in actually challenging our audiences. And if there's, you know, if there's something that I've noted over the last um, three or four years, when you watch a lot of British TV shows, and I, I am a Brit, and so I do watch a lot of British TV shows, they have a very different way of talking to the audience than many US TV shows. Mm -hmm. You know, you are expected to join many more dots. You are expected to uh, understand what's going on in a very different level than some of the shows you might see on primetime US, you know, free-to-air TV. So I think there's, a, there's an interesting sort of change of culture there, mm -hmm. and I think it's stuff that we just need to be aware of, you know, cognizant of, and make sure that we do that in a responsible way. Yeah, Richard? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely a responsibility that we have to take. I do, I, I'm not normally a fan of, uh, like, governments, for instance, getting involved in yeah. controlling <laughs> such things because, you know, that stifles creativity and free speech, yeah. generally. Yeah. But I do think that we need to have a, a very serious conversation around, um, like, regulation and ethics. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the killer robot kind of idea of AI is not like, well, it's, I mean, it's a bogus notion anyway, because if someone builds a killer robot that goes out like a Terminator, it's just doing exactly what it was built for. So that's operating perfectly within its parameters. He was just it's, trying to do his job, in other words. doing his job, yeah. <laughs> Kill all humankind, and that's it. Um, I think the, 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 the risk is that, you know, we, we do have these problems already where we're using this technology for one reason, and, but it's having an impact socially somewhere else. Um, and that, you know, again, it comes back to the, the you know, especially content that we consume on the internet that's fed to us on a personal level is being driven by an algorithm which its core purpose is to get you to watch it as much as possible mm -hmm. so that they can sell more advertising space because the more engaged you are, the more it's worth. Mm -hmm. And that, as a core um, value proposition, doesn't have any relationship to its ethical um, you know, um, impact. Right. So you know, we, we can inadvertently, and I think this is the danger, we can inadvertently cause harm effectively on a societal level, on an individual level, by deploying these technologies that we don't fully understand what they're going to do, because we've said do this, but it, it, the net impact is it, that that happens over there. Right. So I think maybe regulation is one thing, and I think just awareness, mm -hmm. you know, that we, um, that we try and ensure that we don't introduce biases from the get-go by, for instance, you know, having um, you know teams of people building new technology that are all old white guys, frankly, like this panel. Right. Um, you know, and I wanted I wanted to tag. We off just have a couple of minutes. Well, sorry, but Stephen. I'm going to let you take. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs>
No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. We just have a couple of minutes for your. Oh, for great, your, thanks. Yeah. So to tag off of that, yeah. uh, I was going to start there that all of us on this panel share a major limitation <laughs> that right. we have a white male perspective. Yes, from different regions, but I don't have an answer for you on how to combat the dangers of new technology, especially when it comes to content, but I do have an approach. Mm -hmm. And that approach is inclusion at all levels. Inclusion is a really glitzy, handy buzzword right now, but inclusion works, and I've seen it work. On our show, for instance, my co-creator is Lillian Diaz, Lillian Diaz Prisbal, and her mission was to make sure that she pointed out things I wasn't seeing. Right. We had an astrophysicist, Dr. Aaron McDonald, who in a traditionally male-dominated field, she was a technical advisor on the show and was pointing out things that we had missed. If you bring an inclusive perspective, which takes regions, genders, uh, different cultural outlooks into, pers into perspective, you might not always get it right, but right. I think you're gonna get it right more often than not. And right. so you say, what is our responsibility? Well, I think all of us have that responsibility to bring inclusion in from everything in the storytelling process to the technolo technological solution process. And I think even just in hiring, I mean, that's an obvious yeah. thing. We're, you know, we're a software company, so we don't yeah. get involved in any actual creative processes, but we've, we work really hard to make sure that we have a, a good, diverse workforce. But in, in, and you're right, I mean, it's very easy to jump on these sort of yeah. bandwagons of inclusivity and, and, and diversity. But actually, you know, it, 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 the, it requires actual effort and action to do it. Right. It's not enough to just say our door is open. If you want to come in, you, mm -hmm. you're welcome. Yeah. You, must you have to go and find people yeah. and, and make a conscious effort. And it costs money. You know, you have to go for, when you're in recruiting, you have to go to recruitment agents, which, you know, most people don't like because it costs money. But, you know, if you want to get that balance right, I think it's incumbent on all of us to, yeah. to make the effort to actually do that and not just do, give it lip service. And if we can, we can do that across the board. I mean, frankly, there's going to be a lot of legacy big companies and so on where they, it's very hard to change that now. But I think as an industry, we've got to take action to really um, attract the most diverse talent we possibly can because otherwise we will fail as an industry to address the, you know, as we get this option or opportunity, sorry, to speak more closely to our entire audience and on a more personal level, if we're not diverse in our storytelling, yeah. we're not going to actually succeed in, in achieving that. We'll fail as an industry. So the future of storytelling is diverse beyond tokenism. Oh, right? yeah. That's, that's a wonderful note to and end on. Conversation on. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a Absolutely. wonderful conversation. This is something we can continue talking on forever. And we will be actually talking about this in our next panel on Wednesday. Um, so looking forward for all of you to join us again for the future of storytelling. Popol and I will be doing this panel again on Wednesday. So make sure to join Same us. Same time. Same time. Thank you so much. See you.